0: This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks! Gum, <laughs> come, come. And who might you be?
1: It's the Star Wars Report! Star Wars Report! Woo! Star Wars Report! <laughs> <laughs>
0: The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Let we give you something
1: epic!
0: Good morning. <coughs> Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force.
1: It's calling to you. Just let it in.
0: Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. This is episode 422. Uh, Mr. Mark Herleman is joining us once again. Welcome back to 2020. Star Wars is happening. It's a thing. (laughs) Isn't it? It's a, it's, it's, it never ceases to be. I had somebody come through the drive
2: through subway the other day. because so they're done with the movies, huh? I no more Star Wars? On, no more Star Wars. No, no, no buddy. buddy. No more, we got three nah, movies coming. A, we know the dates. We just don't know what the content is yet. Yeah,
0: neither does <laughs> Disney. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. No, we, um, it's, we've got a lot to talk about. It's been, although at the same time, it feels a little odd without an impending movie to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of impending Star Wars stuff to talk about, but you know, it's it's none of it is the next movie. but I'm kind of okay with that. We were just talking um in the pre-show in our patreon exclusive podcast, Rogue Transmissions. Um, we were talking about um, the 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 Clone Wars and how I've been rewatching it. and it's it is fascinating how a lot of Star Wars discussion has changed, but also, maybe hasn't changed that much in the grand scheme of things um but back in the day like clone wars was the big deal that was what we had and now we're kind of back to that the next big thing in star wars is clone wars again um which is kind of right. funny um which i guess you know what i won't dilly dally but that's that's exactly what we have to talk about in the news we have something to report i have the news data brought to us by the bottom spies we can send a clear transmission
1: there it is listen listen
0: I actually want to lead off with the Clone War story um, because they just released a an updated teaser for coming out less than a week. It is the uh first episode of season seven on Disney Plus, and they released a teaser for this arc, Squad 99. Let's take a listen.
1: We have more than a dozen active battlefronts, and we are losing nearly everyone. Let's take a small squad behind enemy lines. If we're going to find intel, it'll be there. What squad are we taking in? Clone Force 99. They call themselves the Bad Batch. These guys are clones? The cavalry has arrived! The defective clones with desirable mutations. Let's get to work. Remember, this is a stealth mission. So much for stealth. I don't like the look of this. This is a trap. They don't stand a chance. We're going down. Let's finish what we started.
0: Yeah.
2: That's magnificent.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Oh, it's beyond
2: magnificent. I mean, I, I, I get singles... Uh, so, I don't think we're going to get to see the Bad Batch episodes that they showed us the unrendered versions of. That's what I was um,
0: going to ask, because I never watched those. D- you did, right?
2: I did. Me and my son, we got to sit there. Uh, I, in fact, uh, we were with... Uh, we talked clones, now Ion Cannon, on our network. We were all sitting together, and Matthew Wood was sitting behind us with his son, and I had no clue who that was. William had to point it out. I was like, are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Uh, so So, we go in, and we watched it. And, I mean, you know, it wasn't complete, so... You know, it wasn't the experience you're getting here, but it was enough to give you the story. You got to see about what happened with Echo. Um, We got to see some stills about Boba Fett uh, doing some stuff with Cad Bane, things like that. But I like the fact, though, that this episode, I don't think you need to know the other episode. I think that you're able to get just what you need from the back and forth between Cody and Rex about why we're assigning this batch in the first place. Um, And then what you're going to see with them in action is going, I I, I mean, just by looking at them, you're going to tell there's something off about these guys, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you see them in action, they're making the best with what they got. And I think that's part of one of the exciting things about what we're going to see here is this is going to be a down and dirty kind of Harry's, or what is it, the Dirty Dozen kind of thing.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know they're
2: gonna get in there, they're gonna do what they need to do, and they're gonna have a lot of fun doing it. I think that's gonna be exciting, just in and of itself. And we get to see Admiral Trench is back. I mean, we we knew that he survived. We saw him with the robotic replacement stuff. But anytime you get Trench back is awesome because when he first showed up, he felt like a one and done. You know, he was this awesome character, and then we never saw him again. But now we get to see him come back in his cybernetic parts. We just see him be more of a tactical brilliance. I mean, he's kind of like a pre Thrawn.
0: Mm, yeah. It's it, it is it's it is interesting um looking at some of the concepts and stuff for the actual uh, I, I love the idea of the the bad batch. I mean, it's just it's just really cool to see the the unique character designs. It reminds me kind of of this um specialty squad in the Star Wars main comic line for the stormtroopers. Right. Um similar concept, but um the yeah, the original episodes, let's see. Uh, is all about, here we go, the battle for Anaxis. The home of the Republic shipyards is under attack from Admiral Trench's Separatist forces. Jedi Generals Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker lead a two-pronged attack on the ground and in the air. But after weeks of heated battle and mounting losses, the Republic's grip on Anaxis begins to slip away. And it's basically all about how they should proceed. So it looks like a pretty similar, same players. It looks like, so I assume it's going to be pretty similar to what the plot that they had based on the teaser. Um, it's interesting. Let's the, uh, yeah, here we go. Um, commander and captain Rex join Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker, uh, with a theory as to how Trench, the leader of the enemy forces, has been able to predict and counter their every move so far. As Rex relates, he developed a special algorithm to analyze the usual Republic strategies and develop corresponding responses to counter the army's weaknesses. Oh, so Admiral Trench kind of becomes the master tactician, thus using the Bad Batch, who are you know, living up to their name, it makes sense that this Clone Force 99, uh, which I guess is maybe named after 99, I assume?
2: It is. Yeah, yeah. And that's something you find out in A Distant Echo, which looking on, on uh, Wikipedia, they show episode 702 is A Distant e- Echo, which is the episode that was shown at the screening.
0: Okay, actually. In
2: fact, the Bad Batch is that one. So I guess they are finished, and I'm just not recognizing it. So this will be exciting because, you know, what I remember of the episodes, it's odd because I didn't realize that that was this. When you see the one guy where he grabs, like, that door and he's dragging it, I remember that now in the unrendered, but I didn't remember that's what he was dragging. I just remember walking over to the Lardy and he grabbed at something, and because they didn't finish the gravity, you know, he was dragging it over over any, wow, like this, this yes, this will be exciting. Mm. In fact, so all the first four episodes are ones that were screened there at Anaheim.
0: Which is, I guess I'm glad I I, I didn't see it now, because now I see it more purely, I guess. (laughs) Um, I feel better about it um, now. And it's cool that they are being able to actually go finish these. Not as cool for those of us or those of you guys who saw it at the panel or I think they released it on StarWars.com at some point. But I guess I never, I always had a feeling that...
2: Here's what's odd though, because this only shows those episodes. This only shows those screening ones as as episodes. Of, this doesn't show anything about what's coming. So that makes me wonder that maybe hmm. it says February twenty first, and then it. So they do each have a, their own date. These are the first four episodes, and they yeah. do say they're all the ones that were screened there at Anaheim.
0: Yeah, well. but
2: none of these are the Ahsoka episodes, and none of those episodes are showing up here. So I'm kind of like, hmm. Interesting, I, di- I didn't realize that before. I'm glad you actually asked.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at yeah, season seven. Yeah, they only have them listed: a distant, a distant, a ba- the Bad Batch, a distant echo on the wings of the Curdax, and unfinished business. And they they were all at the celebration screening, and then on StarWars.com, and now premiering week to week, starting the twenty-first, dude. That's pretty soon, uh, starting on the 21st. So that'll be cool. They they haven't listed the order or the names of any upcoming beyond that, but we have our first well, four. Well, we
2: do know We do know there was uh, something that had, had dropped down earlier from CloneWarsFandom.com where they were talking about the uh, season was going to consist of 12 episodes, the story arcs including the Bad Batch, which were the ones all from Anaheim. So there's our first four. I would assume our next four then would be the Ahsoka and the Underworld, which which we knew of, but that's what that's what they're calling it. And then the the planned series finale, the Siege of Mandalore, which would be another four, unless the Ahsoka and the Underworld episodes were only two or three episodes, and then you could have four, or, uh, five, or six episodes for Siege of Mandalore. Which I would actually I would rather see that. I would see the uh, Ahsoka and the Underworld have a three episode arc and give Siege of Mandalore five. I just uh, I'm so excited about Siege of Mandalore. I think there's so much that they can seed. Mm. with this there's a lot that they're going to be delivering on based off of you know the comics and stuff they had that led into this as well as the tv show i mean we, we saw maul get captured uh by palpatine then in the comic books we find out that he gets freed again mm. so you know was we're gonna have of, that kind of a conversation that was come son up of dathomir
0: right where maul's freed again yep Yep. Gotcha. And that is
2: one of the only comics that exists in both canon and legends, mm-hmm. just like Episode one through seven or one through six, and the Clone Wars do that mm-hmm. one comic.
0: <laughs> it is an odd play because it was it was developed like, probably because it's based on Clone War stories and they were keeping mm-hmm. Clone Wars canon, but um, and
2: they had to draw a line. So there were other things that were based like like right now there's a uh, uh, Star Wars Adventures of the Clone Wars about to come out and Mm -hmm. they're going back with the Star Wars Adventures team and their comic line to do stories set in the Clone Wars. These are not at all going to be set in Legends. These are 100% canon stories. That was the thing about Son of the Dathomir is it was was the one comic that they specifically said is in both.
1: Mm,
0: Uh, Gotcha.
2: But I mean, there's still going to be people that are going to get confused because they're going to be like, what, the Clone Wars, man? All the Clone Wars stuff counts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. Um, Well, hey, uh, Harrison Ford... Uh, <laughs> talks a little bit, of, was on Jimmy Kimmel talking all about Han Solo uh, recently, and it's, it's, it's pretty great. Here we go. Let's take a listen.
1: Well, I was, and I was willing to die for the cause. The cause. So, well, I didn't realize it was <laughs> to bring some gravitas, some base. And you did indeed die for the cause. And I yet, did. Then we, we well, decided- and then we go to see the there's no movie. you know no good deed goes unpunished yeah yeah like jesus <laughs> han solo rose again Not like jesus maybe less <laughs> dramatically than jesus but and it took more time than it took jesus but it's still like jesus yes and how did that happen who convinced you to do that because i would imagine it would take some convincing uh jj said uh um this is a good idea Uh uh-huh i jj have decided that this is a good idea Uh uh-huh and uh and i would like (laughs) you to do it (laughs) and you trust him enough that when he says something like that you're on board don't you well yes i do absolutely yeah Yeah. but you know i'm not harrison ford quite a distance
0: from it yeah i'm
1: actually not either (laughs) you're not give remove this
0: man (laughs) So there we go. No surprise. That was
2: a great interview too, because he pulled out photos of Harrison Ford while he was still a carpenter and stuff. I, that was I, I enjoyed that one when I watched it from beginning to end. But that was fun.
0: Yeah, no, and it, it kind of confirms what we um, suspected about him originally coming back to the role in the Force Awakens. It just we've known for years that that's kind of what Harrison Ford thought. The character of Han Solo should do in retur- should you know should sacrifice himself in Return of the Jedi, um, but it's just. I think I I feel like maybe he said that in other interviews, but I don't remember it. So it's the first time I heard him directly talk about it. Right. Um, but also, I I think it's interesting where he didn't resurrect or come back to life. It was a it was a vision. <sighs> come on, guys vision or a force projection or, or force something goes through something. power of Leia. I
2: we don't really know left he very... was there though that he was the fact that he was there and he had information that he should not know because he was dead tells me that somewhere he was still active
0: oh that's a good way to put it i didn't think about that unless yeah, it was I mean, purely a just projection on kylo ren's part just yeah. like
2: I mean there's there's people that think it was it was all Kylo there were some people that think Leia fueled it uh, and then there were some people that were like what well, was the force itself using Leia and Kylo to bring forth what needed to happen uh, I mm. mean and until you get somebody from an authoritative spot to say this is how it happened. Um, kind yeah. of like, kind of like Matthew Wood uh, tweeting Steven Schneider his uh, question about my helmet at at Batu about why Kylo Ren's walking around with a helmet that he already destroyed, and could there possibly be two of them? And uh, <laughs> you know, he was like, "Yeah, that uh, let's go with that." I'm like, "Okay, now now we just got to discuss this this Falcon dish that's rectangular that shouldn't be."
0: <laughs> well, you know, either. you know it's uh <laughs> batu is the part of the world between worlds there is no time uh, that's my explanation <laughs> um mm. hey not, we won't spend hey, too now, long li-
2: now, since mm-hmm. you brought up the world between worlds i have a question for you now mm. at any point in the 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 post or the pre the rise of skywalker speculation did you think we might see a return
0: to the world between worlds i did i saw some of those rumors and i thought there might be some version of that yes
2: because mm-hmm. I, I, I I I remember when I first heard that I was thinking maybe that's how Palpatine is around, you know, like like maybe he was smart and designed the Death Star to have a chamber that had one of those portals in it at the bottom or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kind of glad they didn't though. It's a World Between right. Worlds was a little too Lord of the Ringsy for me.
2: Well. I think for Rebels, World Between Worlds is on the same par as the Mortis episodes of the Clone Wars. Um, yeah, but the but Mortis with, turned
0: out to be like a vision, kind of. They all sort of woke up at the end kind of it. Of, like,
2: yeah, but we don't know if it was a vision or if they just were dosed really hard. I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but in the World Between Worlds, they literally travel through time.
2: Yeah, that was, that was, but do you think with, with something like that, do you think that that's something that we're never going to see again? Or do you think at some point that trope's going to come back and that thread's going to be picked up and played with?
0: Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. Here's a quote from Henry Gilroy about it that I just found. Though he says, "I will always have the sense that if somebody else had gone to the world between worlds, they would have experienced something completely different. They would have heard different voices, and the portals would have been different. So it's all about what you bring into it, and what your experiences are, and what your connections are." That makes sense.
2: Ooh, that's a lot like the Lake Evaporations legends. Wow, I like that's
1: that's.
0: And I said, you know, I said it was Lord of the Ringsy, but uh, Filoni talked about it being inspired by the wood between the worlds but in c.s lewis's chronicles of narnia Mm -hmm. it is very high fantasy kind of concept though it'd be interesting Mm to see see
2: i i'm just perplexed you know because like like we had mentioned earlier with the clone wars you know it was it was slow to pick up and and for you with rebels you know it was kind of slow for some people to pick up uh but both the clone wars and both and rebels i would say were very big successes and yet, Resistance came along, and Resistance mm. still has a lot of potential to do a lot of really good storytelling to help lift up the sequel trilogy and the fight against the Resistance, you know, that spark of rebellion. And they canceled it after two seasons, but it never really kind of got that, that excitement. Like, How much have you I, I watched? I try to think what they did.
0: You know, I wasn't going to include, I was actually just going to respond to uh, Tom. He emailed us about resistance, but I was just going to respond to let him know because I haven't watched it. So I, I felt kind of bad that I didn't really have a lot to say, but you bring up a perfect point. So I would be really guilty if I just didn't randomly bring yeah, an email we, right I now. Yeah, I mean, I'm halfway so,
2: through season one. I've been trying to watch it. I okay. keep falling asleep is my problem because I'm watching it <laughs> at the weirdest hour. So I watch one episode, I get halfway into the next episode, fall asleep, yeah. wake up the next day, and I go back and I would I start the episode I fell asleep in, watch that episode, get do the next yeah. one, fall asleep. Uh, but, yeah, what what what's he got to say so, for us? Let's, yeah, let's, so an uh,
0: email from Tom Newman. Um, he says, hey, hey there, guys. After seeing the season finale of Star Wars Resistance, it left me with more questions than answers. It was a good two-part episode, but it felt more like a season finale than a uh, series finale. There were too many plot threads that were never tied up, and the two children um, who were being pursued by the First Order what does Freya Frenris have to do with the fight against the First Order and how does the Colossus and the Aces fit into the final battle with the First and Final Order? I was mm-hmm. able to attend a premiere screening um, of the finale episodes at Lucasfilm with a, a Q&A by Christopher Sean and Susie McGrath. I think they're the showrunners. During the Q&A, Susie said that they have known, that they have known how this episode ends uh, for over a year and that they had to keep it quiet. This comment made me start to wonder something. Was there supposed to be a third season? The announcement about the final season uh, was made only a few months ago, and these episodes were recorded longer ago than that announcement. Unfortunately, I did not think to ask this at the time, so I I wasn't able to ask ask them, but I have this hypothesis that there's supposed to be a third season and and that it was already mostly recorded since the episodes were in the can before Rise of Skywalker was finalized, and um, and the production, or you know, and the live action always trumps these sort of extended mm-hmm. universe shows. So this third season was canceled, and the second became the final one. I feel that my hypothesized third season was being written when Colin Trevorrow was heading up episode nine, and that the mm-hmm. story took a different direction, uh, so that it wouldn't have matched episode nine's plot. What do you think about this hypothesis? Uh, do you think it actually exists? We'll ever see the material and maybe a canceled third season.
2: Hmm. Well, well just first and foremost, neither Riley or myself have any information on this as to lay any weight to no, it. We're just fans. Just speculating. shameless You're, speculation. Uh, yes. I always thought originally though, that they were going to do three, three seasons. Cause you know, the, a trilogy of seasons would make sense. Um, but I also always thought that we were going to see this group become a cell for the Resistance and that we were going to see the Colossus you know, go to war with them. And I, and I believe what you're talking about is the end of Season 2, which Season 2 they did announce was the end of it. So I, too, feel like they wrapped things up prematurely. Like there were some things that they had planned. But again, this show didn't have – the kind of fan following that yeah. Clone Wars eventually you didn't, had or You didn't even see like Rebel's hashtag had.
0: you didn't see like hashtag save Star Wars Resistance.
2: Right. Like and, you did and, with Clone Wars. I think that the, the fault here is the same fault that we have with a lot of the comics and the books that have come out prior to each of these movies in the sequel trilogy. Now that the sequel trilogy is done. We've got the rise of Kylo Ren that's on its third printing, outselling, completely selling out, because now they're finally telling us stories that we've wanted to know that we were hoping were going to be in the films. Mm. So, like, like you know, when, when Resistance came out, I kept waiting, you know, I'll get into it later because it's got to be a show about this cell with these awesome pilots and we're going to see them, you know, factor in, in some form or some way. Now that that didn't happen and and, and the whole uh, Trevorrow angle, I think that that's probably why. Um, that's just a, a jump speculation because that's out there, but that does make a, a good reasonable reason not to when you had that opportunity to, um, and, and that's, and that's what has always kind of perplexed me with this new era. It's like, they've got all these great opportunities to take in and, and interweave these things in very minor and simple ways. And yet they're choosing not to. And I think that unfortunately it's causing, people not to want to get as involved like with season seven of the clone wars a lot of people are excited not just because it's a return to clone wars but it's about something that we've been hearing about for so very long and we're finally going to get to see it and that was one of the most exciting things about the prequel trilogy the fall of darth vader i mean shoot from the moment we found out that no i am your father like holy crap he was once the jedi oh my god this guy fell and became bad like We're finally getting to see that. I mean, and then there were people that weren't impressed with what they saw. But I I think that that's one of the things that, like, they could have really knocked it out of the park with resistance. And that was never really the angle they went with. They're like, well, he's a spy and he's out there trying to help, uh, you know, conjure up the go team go attitude for the resistance. And I, I don't know. I think that that's the wrong angle they should have played with this because everything about what they've got in the show is perfect for building up a, a special crack team, a, a group of Avengers or your new Rogue Squadron, as it were. Mm. Since we don't really have a Rogue Squadron like we had in Legends, we need somebody to step up. Alphabet Squadron could have been that, but I don't think they're ever going to get to that point. These guys, these aces, they definitely got what it takes behind the you know, the, the cockpit, but the riding room but from didn't what,
0: do it justice. And I haven't seen it obviously but from talking to any of my star wars friends uh who have it just never became that um and never had as much of an impact on the overall saga which is a shame because it had actual like sequel trilogy characters in it but Mm -hmm. it just i guess never never quite got there thanks for the email tom i appreciate it um yeah it's 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 one of those things where we will we will just never know what might have happened Although, speaking of what might have happened, <laughs> uh, I, won't, I won't stick on this too long, but the how it should have ended for Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is out. It's pretty amazing.
1: Oh, no. We're sinking. Gab! Yeah, if only one of us could lift heavy objects with their mind. Right. <laughs> Great. I never told you. Force. You were saying? Nothing. <laughs>
0: it's pretty great so (laughs) we'll throw a link in the show notes um but it's just i always like these they have some fun with the uh you know various possible plot holes and stuff with some cute animation
1: (laughs) right
2: right no i mean that's that's the beauty of it is that fans have always been so creative and these type of things work on so many levels that for the fans of Star Wars, we gobble this stuff right up. But yeah. I mean I, I remember watching the one for Frozen where they mm. take him to uh, Charles Xavier's school of gifted children. Like, yes, yes. Thank yep. you. That's very That's uh, but yeah, when when they when Ray goes, you can lift the, the X wing with your mind and grab a lightsaber in the forest, you're coming with me. <laughs>
0: Wait uh, a second. That
2: scene, the scene when all the Jedi show up and she's tossing all the lights. In, she's like, "Well, I could just force grab it from
1: anywhere, didn't you know?" <laughs> you,
0: like, you know, you know. <laughs> anyway, good fun. yeah, good fun. In, indeed. You know,
2: and I, I think that one of the sad things is is that like sometimes this kind of stuff is in good fun, and then just some people can't take the joke. They're like ah, they're hating on it. Uh, well, no, I mean everything has always had good and bad like Mm. you know people forget that when they get just in the good side of things Mm. like even that good thing that you love if you really want to be honest with yourself and really look at it critically there's going to be a couple mistakes we're only human and the people making the films are only human true like the boom mic in that one episode of the Mandalorian I was like what is that
0: (laughs) yeah but except baby Yoda baby Yoda's perfect all right yeah I'm just calling it calling it right now you're listening to the Star Wars Report. Why you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? Uh, that's right. You are listening to the Star Wars Report podcast, um, made possible by all of you guys supporting us over at Patreon.com/slash Star Wars Report. Hey, uh, Patreon update: uh, as as per usual, we uh, recorded. Our weekly Rogue Transmissions level, which you can access for five bucks a month. Uh, it's uh, Rogue Transmissions at Patreon.com/slash Star Wars Report. You can check out all the benefits and cool rewards that we have for you guys over there. Uh, so I now, encourage you. Isn't that you, the
2: level where they get all of our episodes ever produced?
0: And it uh, well, at any level, you get all episodes we've ever produced. A direct link to our server where you can download every episode, all four hundred twenty-two. Uh, episodes of the Star Wars Report podcast. So make sure you check that out and check out all the cool bonuses and join the community of awesome people uh, at our Patreon and our the group chat. There's a bunch of cool stuff there. Um, but uh, speaking of Patreon, Rogue Transmissions, we're going to have a series of special Rogue Transmissions while Clone Wars is coming out. Um, each week that the episode releases, in addition to the normal Rogue Transmissions, uh, we will also be releasing 22-minute commentary companion podcasts uh, exclusively at our patreon and you can access those oh, yeah. that'll be that that actual that bonus trans, uh patreon will be available at every level so uh, you can even join us for a dollar and get access to all 12 episodes of our Clone Wars commentary series. So make sure you go check it out. Now's the time to do it. Patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. That's patreo ncom slash Star Wars Report. And I'm really excited to be recording some of those. Sometimes with a guest, sometimes it'll be just me, just depending on the schedule. But uh, I'm very excited of, to be doing, well, Clone Wars commentary again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to jump into the main segment um, for the show because we haven't really done a recap or... We haven't touched on mandalorian since the last episode came out and we've been talking so much rise of skywalker i wanted to take a take a minute to uh talk to you about it mark because i haven't really talked to you a lot about the mandalorian and it's Mm -hmm. the it's the cover it's the feature of this month's star wars insider magazine which the folks at titan were kind enough to send over so a big shout out to uh the folks over at titan they sent us a copy of uh, this month's Star Wars Insider. And mm-hmm. they've got this really great feature on The Mandalorian that kind of just digs into the overall story and how closely it's been tied into George Lucas's storytelling and original trilogy era. Um in fact, just this excerpt right here, I think it'll kick off some good discussion. Something old, something new. The tone and craft of the long-running saga is something that is baked into Favreau's DNA as a storyteller and as a filmmaker. And it was his love of Star Wars that grabbed his heart and held to it at a very young age, quote, uh, and, and it interviews, by the way, they interviewed Dave Filoni, uh, John Favreau, Pedro Pascal. It's kind of a who's who of the people of the production uh, folks, but... John Favreau said, quote, uh, my whole taste in movies was probably formed in a big way from seeing George Lucas' original film. I learned about cinema through the lens of A New Hope. While watching it, my father would explain to me how things uh, were inspired by something, how you would see a samurai movie or a Western or a World War II film. That mm-hmm. first movie was my inroad. As they developed the series, uh, Favreau and Filoni agreed they would embark on The Mandalorian with an eye for staying true to the things that made George Lucas' Star Wars films great. Quote, we really uh, really tried not to make it a reflection of what we interpreted Star Wars to be, but instead went back to the source code and looked at the films that influenced Lucas. So films like Akira Kurosawa, John Ford, Sergio uh, Leone, through the eyes of that generation, and then trying to channel that as best we could. And that's really where, looking back at that first season of Mandalorian, you see the influence of that era of filmmaking because you know star wars is a product of the fiercely independent filmmaker that was Mm -hmm. booming in the 70s all of all of um george lucas's compatriots were developing these bold films that big hollywood wasn't releasing steven spielberg um is as a perfect example um francis ford coppola godfather et all of these uh, jaws these huge blockbusters that were coming from these independent filmmakers that were not part of the studio system and you you really get that feel that that era of storytelling storytelling in mandalorian uh what did you like look looking back at the whole season do, do you see that sort of original trilogy vibe breathing it throughout mandalorian yeah
2: i mean you know I can't think of what was it, the gunslinger episode where everyone's like, Oh, that's just that's just pure fan service. Like to me, I thought that was great. Like it felt like it was all in your face, but it was done purposely. Like none of it was supposed to be in your face. It was only in your face if you knew what was supposed to be there. You're like, oh my god. Something insane, but that. So I got a kick out of those kind of things. That mirrored when we got to episodes like that. But when you think about the other episodes and stuff, and the different mo- motifs of each one and stuff, and specifically the way that the the soundtrack plays with them, um, mm. I was watching what was it, Back to the Future three the other day, and Marty McFly does the whole I'm Clint Eastwood, and they play the the Good, Bad, and the Ugly song in the background there, and, and I'm listening to that, and there's a lot of the the Native American part of that original song. That you could tell was lifted to be the theme part for the Mandalorian himself and I like the way that when it's played and when they play the theme songs it's it's just done in a way that feels very much like Star Wars the original trilogy did for me because like one of the things I remember the most about watching Star Wars the first time you know A New Hope was the lack of music in places?
0: Mm, and I've true. noticed
2: that they've done that as well with this because like think about when they were in the trash compactor that's exactly' the, the first intense. thing I was
0: thinking of, yeah,
2: and yeah, and Luke disappears and you hear Han slushing around in the water. There is nothing playing. It's Mm-mm. just the panic of the actors and the sloshing of the trash water and and, you know, Han just trying to find Luke and then Luke popping up. And there are moments when you're watching this series that they do the same thing where it's like all of a sudden you just like listen to the computer in the background or something like that. And I I, I don't know. For me, like that's worked. But I, I'm, I'm so fascinated about the Mandalorian culture and what they've shown and how it differs. You know, like we were talking earlier in this episode about how when we got to Mandalorian culture in the Clone Wars and how it was so different from what came from Legends. And it was – the easiest way to describe that was the tribalism of the culture that you could have different tribes having different ways and different codes so to see this new Mandalorian culture where the code is you never take your helmet off right like Mm -hmm. that was one thing that really got me kind of excited like where did this come from how did that grow about and then you get to the finale episode and you see Moff Gideon bust out the Darksaber and you're like, wait a minute, that's Bo-Katan's. Like, mm-hmm. no, not yep. Sabine. Wren Ren gave that to her to lead the Mandalorian. How the did you get that? Like, because the, the Mandalorian people lost it when Darth Maul took it from Pre in the Clone Wars. And then Maul ends up losing it to Kanan and to Ezra and Ezra gives it to so so we know how it gets to a point, but we don't know how he gets it. So you know I'm just I'm so excited to learn more about all that stuff because even though that doesn't really play to the big picture of what's going on in the Mandalorian, that's there and that's the kind of stuff that i always get a kick out of is learning more about the culture and stuff as the story progresses and i think the where they've set up the mandalorian is in a great place to do that now as for you know how much of this like like the samurai seven which, which episode was that one that was the village one right with the the walker of the the evil walker that we see and all you the know, toys I, and, I, and the lego behind you i
0: pulled it as so, Yeah, sanctuary chapter four
2: yeah, that was this. That was supposed to be like the Seven Samurai episode,
0: kind mm-hmm. of, right? Yeah, absolutely was very close. And there was a Clone Wars episode like that too.
2: There was one with the uh, was it Embo and a bunch of mm-hmm. the others when they were on that train. Yeah, yeah. And and that was the thing too. I mean, Lucas was really pushing that in the Clone Wars. We had our Godzilla episode, uh, which was a two-parter. So it was like you could say one of them was a, was a. Uh, a King Kong episode, one was a Godzilla episode. You had your Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock suspense episode. There were so many different motifs that they touched on. The, the zombie brain eaters with the worms and stuff. I mean he was really playing out with everything. Whatever you could throw his way and he would re it. So the fact that they were looking at the things that inspired Lucas is just one more reason why they're the brilliant storytellers they are and why they should be in charge of a project like this
0: and it's very consistent with what we saw and this is what i think fans who didn't really get into the clone wars back in the day like you listening to this podcast if you've never actually gone back and watched the clone wars that's one thing that mandalorian has stayed very consistent with and i think that's straight from dave filoni was this willingness to experiment and embrace the elements the ingredients of star wars not just star wars and where right. and you know, like we, you got literally got the Zillow Beast episode, basically King Kong. Um, I, I just.
2: Well, and and there's also an aspect of this that explains, in my mind, of why George Lucas, while being so important to everything, was also a voice that sometimes needed to be told. You know, you're wrong. When he brought out the dark saber, right. The Darksaber is basically a hmm. retooled Vibroblade or Vibrosword from the KOTOR video game. Yep. Vibroblades have been out from the Old Republic for a very long time. That was a concept that George Lucas was not okay with. To no George, there were no Vibroblades. So what he did is he made it a Darksaber, and and that existed, but there were no Vibroblades. So when I'm watching one of those episodes of The Mandalorians, and I watch him bust out his little his little knife out of his uh, pants pocket, or he busts out one off the, the arm sleeves when he's fighting uh, the heavy Mandalorian, And they're vibrating. I got so excited because like, I'm just like, you know, vibroblades have been so integral to anybody that's ever done any aspect of role-playing game, Mm -hmm. video game, anything where you're immersed into this galaxy. That was one of the first weapons you get. So to have that be something that George is like, no, we're not going to do that because I don't think anything should come in between a lightsaber. And then later we have the Cordosaur and things like that, that, that were in Legends that are finally being brought back in. And that was one of those things that had George had his way, one hundred percent, that wouldn't that wouldn't be the case today. But luckily, you know, other people were able to come in and get creative with what he has built. And I think that too, just as he was using those other directors that come up with things, allowing those type of people to come into play in this sandbox can create just as much magic. And I think that that's one of the things is being open to that creativity, whether it be just you know somebody influencing you or getting that influencer to come in and work with you. I think that that's something that Disney is going to be playing with in the future and it's going to work to our advantage as the fans. I think we're going
0: to get in for a
2: lot of treats in the future.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I just love that continuity of it. In the same way, I think this, this first season of The Mandalorian has had... Some of the same, just kind of like Clone Wars did, variation in quality of the episodes. Some of the first two ones, especially the first chapter and um, I'm trying to think. I think it's the Gunslinger chapter. There there are a few moments.
2: Gunslinger was the one that was on
0: Tatooine. Yeah. That that
2: seemed to be a polar one. Either people loved it unconditionally, hands down, or people felt it was too much fan service.
0: I, um, I fall more I didn't into that. I see many in the middle. I fall more into that latter category. Like, there are parts of it that I liked, but the... How closely... And I talked about this when it came on the air, but... When it originally aired. But I did think it really kind of delved a little bit too much leaning on the fan service side of things. And fan service is kind of a charged term these days. But when I say right, that, I, right. I, just, I just mean the... Um, References that are more there for the sake of familiarity because you've seen them before in Star Wars, and less so for the sake of the story. And I think See, and they cross that line a that few one, times.
2: We were looking at a balance because I think what we're going to find out later is that episode had a more integral part to play in the grand scheme of the story than
0: we're ever going to be with aware. Ming of. characters, which yeah, which I think the, the, I think the, the bounty more, hunter that
2: shows up that could be Boba come. Fett could be someone else. Uh, but I think that when they show up, they show up in the last three seconds before the credits. Right. Mm -hmm. So, You know, I mean, we don't know anything about him right now, so it feels like a throwaway. That whole episode feels like a throwaway. I mean, even the bounty he's going after dies. So the only thing that that episode really had going for it was the fact that we were treading in old ground that the viewers could appreciate. Now, later we're going to come back and find out that that was the introduction to somebody very important. Maybe them being on Tatooine plays into that role. We won't know. But I think that's one of the things of... That's the balance there is that the one thing we didn't know that made that episode important was foreshadowed or overshadowed, I should say, by the fact that there was so much fan service or so many callbacks to those other things. But, I mean, I appreciated the callbacks. Like, each one of them I thought was was brilliantly done because, like – I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess it was in your face, but I think like this is a perfect opportunity to do something like that in a way that isn't like what we've seen with Marvel, where Marvel's done the same thing like that, but they got hardcore criticized. what they do? They took stills from the movies and then took like a still of Leia on Hoth and then just basically retraced that and put it in on a still of Leia on another planet, and people got really pissed off. But I, I think like the way they did this, it worked in a way that the only way it worked as fan service was if you were... In the know of what those references meant, um, and I think I think for you and me, Riley, it's like we get into things to a point where we pick up on those Easter eggs, mm-hmm. if you will, a lot quicker than some others. So that so, is so true. that episode, especially, was very heavy-handed. But I think it was heavy-handed imp- in importance to direct us away from the main character at the end, so we wouldn't get too caught up on him. That's fair. I, I tr- I'm I'm in the Boba Fett camp. I really think. That they're going to bring Boba Fett back just like Legends did. Uh, And what better place to leave his butt than right there on Tatooine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because there was references to his armor being found his armor in uh chuck wendig's aftermath book they go to tatooine and someone has his armor in a store it's pockmarked and stuff so the armor gets out of the sarlacc we know that much we Mm -hmm. just don't know if he did so i mean i for me that that tickles me the idea that he could be out there plus you know the, the mandalorian aspect how he was not a mandalorian so said almec I want to know more about that, too. I mean, Legends had Boba Fett later in this era play a much bigger role. And at this point in his story arc was when he started to embrace his Mandalorian culture for the first time. And he was very much an outsider. And unfortunately for him... His reputation was so big that they basically elected him Mandalore, and he absolutely despised it. Didn't want to be it. Didn't feel like. Didn't feel. I mean, he couldn't even speak the language, and it, that was like the biggest shame he had. Was they made him the Mandalore, and he couldn't even speak to the to his people in their foreign language. He had to actually speak in basic all the time. So, I mean, I, the idea to see Fett come back in some form or fashion and how that's going to play out, I would love. If it turns out to be someone else, that's cool too. But. I really think it'd be a cool opportunity to bring in fat
0: mm. crawling out of the Sarlacc pit flashback scene, just like in the tales of books. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know if they'll do it, but it would be kind of interesting. It would be kind of cool. I would love to see like the, the can you imagine the fan reaction? would be so polarized. Some mm-hmm. people would be so angry. <laughs> um, I can, I can see it right now. Yeah. That, which, um, we talked about, let maybe wrap it up this way. Let's talk favorite episodes. Um, I'll just jump in real quick and just say easily my favorite episode by far was chapter six, The Prisoner, mostly because of Bill Burr. Um, <laughs> but I will say, I, just, yeah. I liked a great heist kind of episode with a double cross and a double double cross because it was just, it was a sort of whodunit with a cast of characters that were brand new, we knew nothing about. But all had so much personality; you could immediately identify with them and understand their motivations, and I loved all of that. I just it felt very Star Wars to me, and I was a big fan.
2: you know that—that's one of my favorites too. I think if it, since you picked that one, I won't pick that. one. <laughs> Damn. that was good though because you had all the directors at the end flying X wings, and it was just so so much fun. Um, I think for me, it's the second to last episode. Um, mm, I mean the lat th-
0: the they do play
2: together really well. But when we see Gideon show up, we watch his X Wing or his uh, TIE Fighter wings fold down on themselves, kinda like the way X Wings do, but only in reverse and on itself. Uh and you're seeing all his stormtroopers get out. They're all pristine, shiny armor. Um, you watch little baby Yoda heal uh the one dude and stuff, and and, and they're they're hosed, you know, and IG eighty eight gets left behind at this point. Like, I mean his his The other half is where he comes into play and is just rocks it. But I think getting to see Gideon's troops and everything show up and have it dawn on me that while the empire is gone, Mm. the empire itself isn't gone. Mm. We know Palpatine has his final order, and then so I see these guys get off, you know. And I didn't think anything about it when I first watched it, but after I watched The Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, wait a minute, these guys are a different caliber of Imperial maybe they might be attached to Palpatine. And the idea that we may get to see that be explored down the road is exciting to me because that's one of the things that I have a problem with with rise of skywalker not so much the idea that palpatine's back but more how they delivered it i'd like to see a little more meat to the bones i felt like i was looking at a corpse of something that should have been a little more fleshed out um so you know if they use this as a springboard to find out some of the background of what palpatine was doing at this time or what his forces were doing or if there's just even a major reason why these guys took their imperial doctrine so much more to heart than say the rest of the Mandalor or the rest of the people on the planet that the Mandalorians were mm. all, uh, you know, hiding at in the Conclave.
0: Yeah, no, I really am interested to see those breakout factions of the Empire and how that plays against the Mandalorian cultures that are currently kind of on the rise, evidently, and they're w- starting to come out of hiding now that the Empire has been busted up to some extent. So that's probably, you know, honestly, the part that I'm most excited about as well. Um, Guys, it's it's time to bring it back. It's been too long. Let's do some Boba's Bounty. It was
1: a lot to me. As, As
0: you wish. Do. All right, uh, let's uh, let's talk about it. Uh, what Star Warsy stuff have you been up to this week? You know, Boba's Bounty. It's where we talk about anything we've read, experienced, bought, purchased, listened to, watched. You name it, in the world of Star Wars. And actually, a recent January 10th um, our, uh, iTunes review from, uh, let's see, King Julius 1174. No Boba's Bounty? That's the title of the review. You guys haven't done Boba's Bounty in a while. What's up? Well, here's what's up. We're back. We're doing it. We're, we're so busy doing all of our review episodes and stuff, we hadn't done a Boba's Bounty in forever. So bring us back, Mark.
2: I I just I heard all of that in the actual King Julius voice. You Mm. guys haven't done Boba's Bounty in a long while. What's up? (laughs) Like then with the little other. uh, I kind of love the Penguin show. (laughs) Uh, So for my Boba's Bounty, since it has been a while, I think I'll throw a couple your way. Uh, I did get a recent book that was a poster book for The Mandalorian. Um, I was going to make a little video when I
0: pull oh, it apart
2: because cool. I'm totally pulling it apart. I'm putting those posters on my wall. So I figured I'll do a little review video of that once I get my studio cleaned up a little bit more because, as as you all know, I'm in the process of reorganizing that. Um, so I got that, and then I got a copy of R2-D2 is Lost, which is kind of like the sequel to C-3PO... Uh, hate sand or dislike sand oh that's
0: cute
2: yeah it's it really is adorable my my niece spent the night and my daughter I, basically any book that comes that's a little kids book I'm like Jaina you got a book and so we sit there and we read it and stuff so she the two of them were reading it back and forth and stuff. Loved it to death. That's sweet. Not a lot like so 3P. O basically has all the words. Everything else is like beep boop beep, boop 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 and yab yup and stuff like that. So, you know, not a lot really going on. So if you know, if you like reading to your kids but you don't want to get too winded, this is the perfect book for you. Lots of pictures of R2 just treading through the woods. Oh look, turn the page, he's doing the same thing. Uh, but the illustrations on it are so damn adorable that they were watching each page for about five minutes each. So that was a lot of fun. Um, you know the other thing, the the fun thing, mm-hmm. the exciting mm-hmm. thing, Riley.
1: Mm-hmm. Only
2: two of these
1: that were Sif able Lord's. to make it to oh. the
2: GameStop <laughs> in my town. Oh, you jerk! I this saw is your post. Jedi Revan.
0: You jerk! And I
2: happen to have <laughs> two you, Jedi Revans. You, you bought only both of them. Two made it to my town.
0: You you snatched up both. Okay. No, I
2: totally didn't. So so here's what's weird, right? Uh so when it came out, I sent my wife a link and she was, okay, I'll I'll get that for you. And I want to say that this came out before Christmas. Like this was one of my Christmas gifts. So she orders it mm-hmm. and never gets a confirmation email. Nothing. You know, so I'm like, Did did you get that order? So she tries to order again, she can't order it anymore. It's sold out. So I'm like, oh my God, you kidding me, right? And then I see on I'm I'm on this uh uh collectors black series fan page on facebook you know people talk about Mm -hmm. how there's too much toxicity out there you got to be in the right groups folks these type of groups are great because anybody finds something they're like hey go to this store it's out there right now check it out they're doing pre-orders over here so someone's all like hey i just ordered mine and i'm like how did you i was told it was he's like you got to go into the shop they can accept pre-orders in the shop, but you have to go down there, and they're only gonna be able to do oh. it for a little time. So I ran my butt down to the GameStop
0: okay. at 10 bucks,
2: and I was like, I need to get one. So they typed it in, blah, 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 puts me in. So I'm in there. So I forget all about February coming. And I get this big package on the box. And I'm like, what is this? And I open it up, it's from GameStop, and it's it's the Revan. And I'm thinking, I paid $10 deposit on Revan, but I didn't pay the extra money on Revan. So, how the. So, I'm like trying to figure out, like, did I just get a free Revan for only 10 bucks? And it's glorious, by the way. The way they package it, not, not, not even a fingerprint, just awesome. So, I'm like looking at my receipt, and my receipt, you know, I'm looking for a date. And I'm like, there's no date here, but it says if you don't come in and pick it up within so many days. And so I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, you know, what, what's going on? Is this the one? And she's the one that never sent me a confirmation. Let me check the our account so she looks sure enough yeah they pulled they pulled 25 or so odd bucks so yeah that's the one i ordered i never got a confirmation so i'm like oh so i wonder if mine's this so i'm looking at the receipt and it's like yeah, 48 hours after it arrives at the store to come and get it or we sell selling i'm like ah, i gotta go to the store and take off run down <laughs> to the store and i get down there and the lady's like yeah she's like yeah you got the there was only two that we were able to order and everybody, after I ordered your second one, it sold out. I couldn't order anymore. And everybody has been coming in asking for this thing. And it's been up on the counter. And she's like, I've had so many pissed off people all day today. And I'm just like, give me that thing right now. I'm walking up there. She's like, and I was telling her. I'm like, well, I managed to get a second one because of a bot. She's like, oh, you should totally sell this one right now then. She's like, there are so many people that want this. and It's so hard to find. Them. I'm like, I You know, like I always talk... That's the sell point for my wife is that Mm. I'm going to sell one. Mm. But I'm like, that one is in mint condition. Like the box has no smudges. Yeah, you got to have one. And I want to open one. One to
0: open, yeah. One to display. But do I
2: open one and then give somebody this pristine one? Or do I keep this pristine one on my wall Mm. and just open the other one and say, you know, $25... I'll get you some pizzas later, honey. I don't know, man, but I was excited nonetheless.
0: <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's the, so, and you didn't really describe it. It's a GameStop exclusive, right? It's the light side Revan? Yeah. Redeemed it's, it's Revan? From,
2: and, and then someone asked, oh, so is Revan canon now? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, he's canon in the aspect of this character comes from the Galaxy of Heroes game.
0: Okay. But...
2: Games are as canon only so far as they line up with the films. There's no reference of a Revan in the films. There is in the Clone Wars. The Rise of Skywalker visual guide does mention a Sith Legion called the Revan Legion after some of the other legions that were all named after old Sith Lords. So he is canon Hmm. in a sense.
0: Well, and let me. I said said Clone Wars. I meant that Darth Bane was referenced in Clone Wars. Um, Right, right, Bane. Uh, but Revan, there was concept art for Revan and Clone Wars that never came yeah, to fruition. In that
2: Bane episode, because in fact that Bane that we see, the canon Bane, is not the same Bane that they originally had. They originally had the Bane from Legends that had the obelisk armor that covered mm. his entire body. And Revan was going to show up too, and there was going to be some kind of back and forth conversation between them and Yoda. Uh, but in, in the end, they decided to go with a new model and a new version for Bane. Uh, and the weirdest thing about that Bane, too, is the fact that, you know, Bane establishes the rule of two and does what he does. And in Legends, when he does that, he basically breaks ties with everything from the Sith in the past. Like, he doesn't set up shop at Korriban or anything like that. And yet, in Legends, that's exactly what he does. He he buries himself like all the other Sith Lords that came before him, which really doesn't seem like a thing that you would think Bane would do so much. Mm. But. But now with you know Rise of Skywalker, you're like, well, maybe it's still Bane is inside Palpatine somewhere, and that's why he just didn't care. It he does He's say still I'm living.
0: all the Sith, so right. Well, the right. funny thing, so Revan was initially slated to appear in Ghosts of Mortis, but the scene was deleted. Um, um, George Lucas chose to delete it because it conflicted with his idea of the Force. This is according it to it was because, Wars because
2: of Force ghosts.
0: Oh, now, and, yeah. and
2: this is this is this is I'm glad you say this because this is one of those t- t- touchy mark topics so george Uh-oh. didn't want that because he didn't think that that was right that the sith shouldn't have force ghosts the Dark Siders shouldn't be rewarded as it were and yet we have the night sisters doing precisely that in a sense while they're using their spirits to possess bodies now there's been that catch-22 with sith ghosts that we've gotten because even in the comics later we see momen who attaches his soul to
1: mm-hmm. an object
2: a lot of siths do that where they attach their spirit to an object yep. now is that a force ghost no well, not in the same traditional sense they can't really go anywhere they're stuck where that object is unless it's a mobile object like Maman's mask Maman's mask was actually kind of a brilliant thing because if somebody put the mask on moen then possesses their body and in a sense hey there's infinite life you just have to make sure that you have somebody to move the helmet from body to body kind of thing. But that was the thing that really kind of irked me was like, no, no Sith Force goes. But it was like, man, they, they've always been selfish and you can always work that right into the idea of the selfishness of the Sith. They couldn't achieve the perfect one because that took self-sacrifice, but they could selfishly cling to anything around themselves and and be a shadow of themselves. Um, or even put their presence into, say, a Sith holocron would have been another way to go about it. But yeah, that was another one of those things that George had some hard ideas on things that I, I personally think that I'm glad that other minds prevailed and pushed him out of some of those. Because that was one of the big arguments about Lucas when it came to the original trilogy, to the prequel trilogy, was that when it got to the prequel trilogy, he had no other creative minds that would stand up to him and bounce ideas off of him like you had in Empire Strikes Back and in Return of the Jedi. You know, he had other people out there that were working with him and collaborating with the idea as the process was going. And then he goes back to this other one, and it was just a my way or the highway thing. And you get certain things like midichlorians that just don't quite jive up with a lot of the things he had out there in the past. Mm. And then you get to Mortis, and you're like, the way they present it there, you're like, wait, this makes it sound like it's some kind of bacterial disease that infects the galaxy and made it even more confusing. Like sometimes they are right. Less is more.
0: Yeah, and that's true. I'm looking up because uh, you can find everything on Wikipedia. Evidently, there's a whole page on transfer essence and how it was used in Legends canon and how it's transferring of one's essence to another person or an object. And I didn't realize Palpatine was attempt try- was attempting to possess Anakin Solo at one point.
2: Yes, no, that's huh. that is the end. Of Dark Empire. So, Dark Empire, if you buy the trade paperback, which most people, that's how they find it now, they get the hard to find Dark Empire uh, half issue. Uh, Empire's End, I think, is what it was called. Mm. And so, that one, in fact, what you find out is Han Solo kills Palpatine. No one else, it's Han han shoots him in the back
0: that's kind of that's pretty <laughs> sweet actually though
2: uh it's so han shoots him in the back and so it becomes basically what palpatine wanted to do to mm. ray last minute i'm going to possess the baby and as he's floating across as an electric bolt of force energy if you will this jedi knight named brand who is very similar to vader only he's like a floating ball decides that he's not going to let palpatine take this innocent child and so he's Puts himself in the way Mm. and absorbs Palpatine, takes Palpatine, opens himself up as a host body. And as soon as Palpatine's in him, he traps Palpatine Mm. in the light. He holds on to everything that ever made him good. And he basically just dies from the inside because Palpatine's evil is killing him. But he creates a shell of himself of light to also take Palpatine down with him. And that's the end of Palpatine. Damn. As we know it. And a Jedi takes him into the other And listen,
0: and people say Rise of Skywalker was weird. (laughs) Right?
2: (laughs) Right. And and that's the thing. It's like the (laughs) things in Rise of Skywalker weren't as outlandish as some people would claim. No. You know, my my issue with Palpatine coming back wasn't that he came back. It was more the, the how they decided to do it. Had they like the video that we had earlier that you can find in our show notes said had they had mentioned him instead of Broom Boy at the end of The Last Jedi. I think that I would have been okay more with how they brought him in in this film than just finding it out in the opening crawl and then later finding it out in the Fortnite game.
0: What if like, Broom Boy was Palpatine? Right. <laughs> We've talked about possession, maybe.
2: <laughs> you know? See, and, and Broom Boy himself is one of those ones that have people, because like, some people were like, well, Broom Boy didn't have the Force, and then after mm. what Luke did, like everybody had the Force, and Broom Boy's the reason why. And I'm like, oh, "Gosh, mm, I don't... I, I don't, don't think know that's this. where they were going with that. I don't uh,
0: know about that. I don't know about that. But where that's, were, that's like where were we? With,
2: with Darth Bane, right? Darth Bane in the books, his apprentice, Zahana they have their final battle and Zahana ends up, Bane tries to do the Force Essence transfer into her. She throws up a shield, boom, the chapter ends and you mm. go to her point of view because it's her body and... She's talking about things, but she's doing this kind of a nervous twitch that Bane used to do, and they don't really go into any details, and it leaves you wondering,
0: oh, that's creepy. is it
2: her, or did Bane take her over? And oh. the book leaves it completely vague. If it it ends and you don't mm. really know. The author goes back and says, no, it is Zahana, but what that was that you saw was that there was, it, it's it's Zahana but there is a little bit of Bane that came across mm. with it. It's not Bane but she will have a part of Bane, which made me think of when Palpatine said, all these other Sith Lords live within me now. You know, and the whole aspect of you training your replacement, but mm-hmm. if you know that you're going to live on in your replacement, well, then training him to be the best he can be is actually in your benefit because you're going to live on with him. Although I'm sure that they didn't realize that they weren't going to have the power that they had, that they're basically going to become that other person, but they would have a trait living on with them. But that's one of those things with Broomboy; You don't have him going out and saying a definitive, well, that's what I meant to say answer. And so people just kind of run with that in a multitude of directions that fit their head cannon.
0: Well, that never happens in Star Wars. Where were we? No. Oh, Bubba's Bounty.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you doing?
0: Um, it's been a very Star Wars-y week. I, um, uh, we talked about this some of this week's Rogue Transmissions. I already kind of plugged that, talking about some of the old Clone Wars. But really, that was the big thing I've, I did the last couple of nights, was honestly sitting and building some old Lego sets that I had uh, laying around for a little while and hadn't had a chance to build. Uh, wait,
2: wait, 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 wait. These ones that you've built before and that you put back in a box, or these brand new ones. No, this is what happens,
0: Mark. I buy a Lego set, but Mm -hmm. then I don't have like dedicated quiet time because in my in my mind, I envision this this weird life with this what's this weird thing called? This is uh, free time. That's right. Free
2: time. Yes, (laughs) yes. That other four letter F
0: word that I never. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. it never happens. So like, there's never like an hour to just sit around and build Lego and stuff, except for this past weekend. My fiance was out of town, and uh-huh. I was uh I was off work for two nights, um and I'm on night shift normally, so I was just like up in the middle of the night, uh, and so ba- I have this sort of glorious, peaceful, quiet time to just kill time. So you had a I solo was, boys night. I know. Basically, it's kind of <laughs> depressed. It's kind of depressing when you put it that way. But I was having a great time, just sitting there watching old Clone Wars episodes and building these lego sets all right so of the lego sets i built the uh, new snow speeder i built the new atst from the mandalorian um yeah, which that behind you help me out you know you might know this at a morning deal was it just like cobbled together in a rebuilt atst like stolen from the empire it was stolen yeah it was a stolen one and then like i don't know about rebuilt i assume that's uh, like what the weird red yeah, um,
2: it's, it's, see, and that's what's weird because, like, the, the Lego that I saw did look like it was a totally different leg, whereas the, uh, the titanium black series figurine that I have that came with the Hot Wheels, it looks more like it's just a painted red. Um, and I haven't seen the big one. And the, I think the big one also makes it just look like it's a painted red and not like it's been cobbled together.
0: Yeah. I will say this. I love the, the, the freaky red eyes in the episode that it has. It's like a monster. movie. Oh, yeah. Um So
2: I saw some people take uh, little LED red lights and put them in there, and they'll
0: get the same effect. Oh, see, that's see, I want to do that now. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a good one. But, but so, so – so the, these are packages that you had, you just didn't get around? So
0: I, they were just literally laying around, and I had never... So I had the time to build them. Build them. Okay. My favorite set, though... Uh, oh, and Anakin Skywalker's Starfighter. I got to say, of them, I think my favorite design is the ETSD. It's pretty cool. Uh, I just like the rebuilt... Does it, does rebuilt it walk, or is it stationary? No, I mean, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, moderately adjustable. It has two joints on it. Okay. Okay. Um, and so it's it's a, you're able to kind of pose it or adjust a little bit. I like the design there, the way the panels that they built on the exterior um, mm. are pretty pretty cool. But the coolest thing is the detail of it being kind of cobbled together. Like it looks like spare parts and stuff that were used to rebuild the um, left leg, the reddish one. And I was trying to look for reference photos or info on it, mm. um, but I can't find any further info on like. W- that confirms whether or not it was stolen from the Empire or, or what have you. Right, right.
2: So so how many Lego sets of Star Wars at this point would you say that you probably have in your possession?
0: How many Lego sets total? Yes. Oh, I don't yes. know. It. Lego's the centerpiece of star of my Star Wars collecting, though. It has I, been well, that's Has been I'm for asking, years.
2: Right? I'm going somewhere Pro- with this. So. Probably,
0: I'm going to say between 30 and 50. Over the okay. years.
2: Okay. I was thinking 20 and 50. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. So let me give you the sage advice now. Okay. <laughs> because when I asked how you were rebuilding these, were these out of the box or not? I have about 20, maybe to 30. Okay. Okay. I'm- um, in the 90s, I was collecting the Legos back then when they were doing their, at that time, remodeled versions of everything. I uh, got the new X-Wing at the time, the new Lambda Shuttle, uh, the A-Wing, the Speeders, Boba Fett, Slave mm-hmm. One, you know, you name it. Got a bunch of that stuff. And I had them all on shelves. Uh, first house that we bought was – the. Ho- well, actually, we didn't buy it. It was my parents' house, and they we took over the mortgage. So they had a whole – where the kitchen was from the living room was just big shelves, and I had that whole thing filled okay. with Lego stuff. So then when we moved to a smaller place, everything had to go in boxes. I mean, you've heard that story. Yep, everything yep. was in boxes mm-hmm. for a really long time. The Legos stayed boxed all the way up until about five – That's me, by the no, way. Most – to-
0: At least half of my Lego from my time around Revenge of the Sith and a few years after when I was collecting all the prequel sets, that's in boxes at my house in Atlanta.
2: Right. And so you become a little less attached. So... It had to be by eight years ago now because Jana wasn't born yet. And so I'm pulling out and stuff because we had that garage that I was able to do the L with the bookshelf and stuff. And I was able to do my studio out in the garage for the first time, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I started busting out the Lego sets and I started setting them all up. And, you know, Gavin Mm -hmm. is, you know, he's like six and a half, I think seven at this time. Ooh, dad, you know, dad, I want to, can I, can I play with those? And I, so I let him play with them.
0: Okay. No
2: big deal. You know, put them back when you're done. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, eight-year-old <laughs> Gavin—he decides. Well, he can go out and just grab Daddy's Legos anytime he wants and take them in. So I'm like, all right. Well, here, we'll bring a couple in and we'll put them in your room, and and you know, you can just play
0: with them. Oh yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. And not even an hour later, I can't tell you where one Lego set begins and the other one ends.
0: Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, it's, and then he mixed dude, in all his it's, other it's Legos. Done so at now that point. I've got all these it's sets done. Done.
2: that I'm like, I've got the books on how to build them all, and I've got the Legos somewhere. <laughs> I just don't know what the hell I'm gonna do. (laughs) Yeah, don't give them to your boy ever. Don't. No. Don't (laughs) care how cute he looks. You tell him no. The optimistic and answered and repeat that over and over again.
0: (laughs) Well, see, the optimistic version of me though is like, well, by the time I have kids, like I, I say this out loud, and now I'm realizing it'll never happen. I, I, I'm gonna like the Lego collection can then be theirs to play with. Like you know, I'll have enjoyed it, my time, and displayed it, and build it, and stuff. And then you know, when the time has pass it to the new generation. It's never going to be the same, but hey, that's okay. You know, and I just got to know, kids destroy. I yeah, I. Oh. You know what? I'll probably so do things. most of these smaller sets. Here's here's what I'll do. Like I think there will be a transfer of generation of all the smaller sets, and then over the next few years, I plan on collecting some of the premium sets. Now, Ooh, they're really expensive, and I've come to enjoy that more anyway, so I'm, I, a, a lot of this comes down to what am I going to do, I guess this is probably good Boba's Bounty material, what am I going to do, cause, so my the wedding is coming up soon, about a little over a month away, which means- Oh, dude, that, that's the, two days. The, 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 the move is coming up after that. After we get back from the honeymoon, we're going to move uh, into a new apartment- uh, in the same complex where, um, Savannah's living now, but we're going to do a two bedroom. There's this whole discussion back and forth on the finance, save a little money and do like a smaller studio or like, but no, we can afford it. Uh, we can do two. And my big thing was second room, spare bedroom. Sure. For if guests come primary studio slash office space for all of Riley's podcast stuff. Yeah. Or, or you say movie room. It, well yeah that's true although I mean, we probably it, it, set she's
2: up, getting resistance and I'm hoping there was, she's not listening to this. There episode. was some resistance. I think I'm safe. Like she might be.
0: I'm someone. I'm not safe on the <laughs> Disney podcast. She listens to all of those episodes. I don't think. I'm pretty. sure... I think it's safe here. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, uh, but don't, it don't was It, it was a back and forth discussion, not because of the the stuff but because of the the, like hey we could save some extra money but which is understandable like we're gonna we're in a we got some big financial goals we're gonna try to hit as we're getting married and combining finances and facing all those problems that you do together as a married couple right you think shit out well
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing most people don't do this they go and then next thing you know you don't have any of your legos no i mean you've got a good game plan what what i found what i had to do with gavin was i got him those galactic heroes figures Uh uh-huh yep and and he's destroyed a whole bunch of them, but I just kept buying more. I was mm. just like, here, here's some more for you. you. Don't have these, and now he's got a bucket of them that he doesn't play mm. with. And I'm like, I could put it up somewhere if I wanted to, but they're pretty like yeah. chewed up. But but you got to find something if you want them to be into that thing that that you're gonna let them destroy. Mm. Yeah. And, and and your game plan of keeping the premiums for yourself is a great idea, but I would say wait till he's fifteen. Don't don't go any <laughs> earlier than that. They're just not. I mean, Gavin's still, like, he's he's almost 16 now, and he still plays with, with Legos. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I still play with Legos. You still play with Legos. So, I mean, so, yeah. that's not the point. What are we talking about? But, but he's yeah. still not to the point where he keeps all the sets together. Mm. They're still mixed all together. So the only things that he has, like like, he's got the Halo vehicle and the Halo jet and stuff like that that came with these really nice built stands.
1: Mm-hmm. If they
2: didn't have a stand, they're gone. They're Mm. they're just you just yeah it's just a pile so I would just you know get them the Legos and stuff and then just you know bring out your Star Wars ones while you're supervising them and just make sure that they know that those ones are yours and they're going back with dad and then when they get older and you give them to them then it's like hey do I then it becomes something more important because I remember when dad did that with me with uh, his Star Trek Enterprise models um, oh interesting fourteen and he gave me his Enterprise models and I took very good care of those for quite a long time like in fact they ended up that the glue he used when he was a kid ended up that was the problem with it and I just the glue I had ended up eating them up but I, I remember getting those meant a lot to me because they were something that was his that I knew he was sentimental about because he wouldn't let me touch
1: things for so long
0: <laughs> mm, yeah that's fair yeah I think um, it, it, it is one of those things so the short term thing is um once the new setup and the new studio is built and I'll I'll share pictures on our social media and stuff like that as, as we're, I'm building up the the studio room because it'll it'll be the first time in years that I'll have, it'll be the first time ever the Star Wars report has had its own dedicated recording space. Now you have your own, you've had your uh, garage space for a while, but I kind of want a similar idea of like setting up a lot of shelves for the books, collectibles, Legos, figures, and uh, a few other things. And, and, after there's some ongoing discussion, it's going to be sort of compromise in that it's going to be tasteful, not too cluttered, but I think there will be space for dis, uh, displaying the kind of Star Wars library of books that I have. Because that's the other thing that I've done. I guess this is uh, this will wrap up Boba's Bounty. Lego's been a big thing. And then the last, uh, around, I got for Christmas the the making of Star Wars book by J.W. Rensselaer. And I just loved it so much. The premium format, it, it's a uh, coffee table book. And I just fell in love with it. And I remembered how much I love the Art of Force Awakens book that I got a while back. So I literally in the last, um, over the last month or so, but I know we haven't done Boba's Bounty in a while. Um, I got the, of course, Rise of Skywalker visual guide. I got the Secrets of the Jedi book. Um, I got J.W. Winsler's Star Wars storyboards, uh, the original trilogy—it's all of the storyboards for the whole original trilogy with notes. It's this nice. premium kind of coffee table book format. Um, I got the Last Jedi art book uh, to complement the Force Awakens one, uh, which I've just had a great time with, and I'm um, and I just ordered Rogue One and Solo's art of books. So I basically will have a, the complete collection of the art of books, and I and I also just ordered the making of empire and the making of return of the Jedi just because they're, they're just really well done. Um, and it, they're much more, they're great to display. And of course they're more on the sort of behind the scenes side. It's like right in, right in line with my fandom. So that's kind of been the stuff that I've been up to in the last month or so. Nice. There we go. How's that for a boba's bounty? We, we're making up for it. That's like the longest boba's bounty ever, but I guess we're making up for it. So that, that's true.
2: it is the deepest boba's bounty we had too, with life advice, Mark. You-
0: <laughs> uh, can I, uh, entice you into a little bit of feedback? We got a couple emails that, um, yeah. we'll speed through. Well, we won't go too long, but I, I did want to hit up. We, you guys have continued to be emailing us. So I will definitely want to keep the uh, conversation going. We've got well, uh, I'll
2: read the first one then. Since yeah. the Second ones uh, addressed to you. Yeah.
0: Sounds like a plan specifically. All
2: mm. right. Star Wars report. One of my favorite podcasts. Love the perspectives. Thank you. By the way. Uh, Been wanting to email, but had to wait for the saga to be complete totally can understand that idea Although the first thing was a fun uh, Although the first thing was a funny I had to share now for this to be funny We have to go back to when we first saw the trailer with uh, Pasana, and there was the celebration, but we didn't know any of the context about the scene My first thought was that this was the forest moon of Endor now a desert because of the fallout from the Death Star and all those people are actually Ewoks having their own version of Burning Man Festival, and the Burning Man is a huge C-3PO. That is yep. awesome. Yes, funny right. That <laughs> I got to admit, I love the dance, so yeah, that's, that is awesome. I mean, awesome. I could see Ewoks doing that. Uh, anyway, what I thought would be a fun conversation for you guys would be now that we have the conclusion of the saga, what would you change in each movie to help the connections be stronger and inform the overall narrative? knowing it would end with Sheev's return how could that be built up to be more of an end game kind of we have all built up to this moment type of feeling now there's some obvious questions one do you consider the release order in the time in which episode of trilogy or two just look at this one through nine and handle it as a straight episodic story and not worry about order and just as it was released or 2.5, maybe throw the Clone Wars series and how it would affect the story and those characters were incorporated
0: into the movie saga. Are we talking about release order there, I think?
1: Mm, uh, yeah. Like, so there um, you go. Have watching order.
0: that. Yeah. I, I think he's talking about like ep- order to watch it at the end. Um,
2: and, I, it, and he also has a P.S. Would love for this question made it to beyond the films. i Would love to hear Nathan's take. In fact, I, we're going to save a copy of this to throw Nathan's go. way yeah. too.
0: you guys can hit on this because well.
2: I'm looking at this. I'm like, this this question could be an episode.
0: <laughs> it could. It really could be a whole episode. I I think the the I'll start with the first thing, the idea of what would tie it together better, and that's just um, coordination, collaboration between Ryan Johnson and J.J. Um, J. Abrams. And it, honestly, if I were to change it, I would give J.J. Abrams the reins for the whole thing. Like, I think that would have fixed right. it. Fixed most of the... Any any ideas plot-wise that we could come up with, I think J.J. Abrams is a good enough storyteller that if he had done all three films, all of that pretty much would have been solved. I'm, I mean, everything... I'm sure there would have still been issues, but when it comes to the idea of Palpatine's return, I bet you anything that's uh, something J.J. was thinking, even with um, The Force Awakens. I mean, I still think the greatest line in The Force Awakens was in that very first trailer. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Um, The idea, uh, darkness rises and light to meet it. That theme works with Palpatine's Return when you're talking about the rising of darkness. So, um, that's. I mean, that's probably what I would do. As far as release order, I... If I'm understanding the question, right, I think he's, if he's talking about like now, what order would you watch it in?
2: Yeah, would you would you just play them all one through nine, or still do it the way it came?
0: I think I would do. I th- I think I would do release order, skip the spinoffs, and stick with the saga itself. If I were introducing somebody to Star Wars for the first time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how about you?
1: Ah, man, that's
2: hard. Because there's a part of me that wants to kind of push someone right into the Clone Wars. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, oh, man. So many things here. So, so to build up to an endgame level with Palpatine, I'm in the same boat with you of, I feel like, the back and forth between Abrams to, uh, you know, Johnson back to a- Abrams again. I feel like it could have been better suited if we just stuck with one. Um, but I think... You know, thinking of the idea of had Broom Boy not been the scene we got and instead we found out the Palpatine returned there made me start thinking about that in a different way, right? And then I was thinking about the fact that, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi was the first Jedi to kill a Sith in so many years and then we found out that Maul didn't die and it was like, oh, well, Obi-Wan doesn't get to be that person and then in the end, Obi-Wan did get to be that person and then we still have that fact and then I think about that with pa- with Anakin and Palpatine you know Anakin throws him down the shaft, Anakin kills him but Anakin didn't kill him and Anakin didn't have to f- have a force ghost moment like in the other thing where he throws him down anyway, I'm like yeah, Anakin still got to kill him uh, so I, I kind of almost think that what I would have done differently was ditch Snoke I would have ditched Snoke and just brought Palpatine back from the straight start mm, Maybe, I, maybe done a- every- I wouldn't have had a final order, I would have had it all be the first order and I would have mm. had it all be the Empire and i would have gone straight from there
0: maybe uh, it was palpatine who seduced ben indirectly and luke didn't believe that palpatine was still alive and so and right. and and ben knew it and kylo ren knew it when he turned and maybe even throughout force awakens we get whispers and hints and the sort of big reveal that no it's really him he's really back comes at the end of the last jedi you know rather than broom boy as we were talking about earlier right that or you would could have Luke of...
2: having visions that somehow Ben is responsible for the return of mm. Sidious. And, and maybe Luke finds the world between worlds and now knows that there is a way oh. that he could do that.
0: See, now you lost me. <laughs>
1: Right, right, right.
2: I mean, mean, from the Luke's perspective, I mean, that would be something that would make that, oh, my God, I know about that opportunity. So, you know, I mean, because he's not going to necessarily know how Palpatine came alive. So there is going to be that little bit of doubt. But, I mean, the idea that maybe, you know, uh, Snoke was used just long enough to seduce him and be the scapegoat face of it, but that we, the viewers, know that the whole time
1: Mm, Snoke
2: was never nothing. The Supreme Leader reported to the Emperor.
1: Could be. That's
2: what we needed to have. I I think that's what we need to get Palpatine to that endgame level because I think that was one of the issues I have is I've seen Palpatine return, and I was okay with that, but having Palpatine return in the ninth inning out of nowhere with this massive fleet that all gets wiped out because they can't get out of the damn solar system Mm. just was – I mean because everything that – Came from the first order was all based off of his contingency plan in the first place. Mm. So the first order was his in the first place. I mean, everything was his. And wh- why hide that other fleet? Like, I mean, the only reason to hide it is because you didn't think about him until the last minute. And you're like, well, what better place to put him than off here in the corner, outside of the galaxy, where no one's going to look? I, I mean, and that I think is the problem. They should have brought him in a lot earlier. Then they could have thought more about how they could have used him, and then the plot could have enhanced that. Hmm. Instead, they went vague as hell on everything, even the visual dictionary where Palpatine isn't even referenced.
0: That's so true. <laughs> so <laughs> That is I mean, mind blowing.
2: So 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 not to that's not really to, the, you know beat that dead horse, but uh for me when it comes to talking to the to my friends and showing them about the movies, I think I'm still the, the go with the chronological release order. And then after I've introduced them to that, going for The chronological actual how it goes in timeline order right like whereas with the Clone Wars the TV series I would totally do that one in chronological order not how it was released. Mm. But I don't feel like the saga itself with the way that Lucas was creating the technology and stuff I don't think that you get the same experience watching it one through nine because of just the differences in technology that when you get to the original trilogy i feel like the original trilogy suffers a little bit more for the first time viewer when you've already seen Mm, the prequel trilogy
0: Agreed. So so I think
2: that that's something. Whereas, Like with the Clone Wars, it makes sense why they did it the way they did it because they were building models, and that's something you could talk about while you're playing, you know, the first episode being season three, episode two. (laughs) But you don't have to watch it in that order to get that. Whereas watching the films, I feel like you really got to kind of commit to that to give them that same feeling of, oh, my God, this is pretty damn cool. Because once you watch the, you know, episode three, anything in space is kind of just not as cool, man.
0: (laughs) As amazing as that return of the Jedi space battle is, you just can't compare it to Mm -hmm. that opening shot of revenge of the Sith. Um, Well, hey, let me jump to this email from Kyle. Uh, Kyle says, hey, Riley, uh, thanks for the humor and interesting Star Wars dialogue. Love listening to the show. You'll remind me a lot of my cousin when it just makes the show even better. Well, I hope you like your cousin. So, (laughs) no, I appreciate it, Kyle. Um, He says, interesting spin on the Disney-era Star Wars trilogy that has helped me cope with the inconsistencies. So, hey, speaking of inconsistencies and disappointments of this trilogy that I hope uh, uh, will help other fans as well. Like many, my greatest struggle with this trilogy was the clear lack of cohesion between the three films due to the change in directors. I think whether you're a fan of it or not of this trilogy, this point cannot be ignored. Uh, so we at least can all agree on something. Amen. Um, but not to focus on the negative, I've developed a perspective that has helped me have a better overall feel for the movies and explain these inconsistencies. All right. I view the trilogy itself as an embodiment of the overall theme of Star Wars in a sense that it is the struggle of light and dark. I was not a big fan of episode eight and I don't have to, I won't go to the reasons why since it's already been discussed in detail, but I view uh, Ryan Johnson as the quote Sith element of the films and JJ Abrams as the Jedi. I felt Johnson brought a perspective to the film that conflicts with the traditional Jedi values in the Skywalker legacy. Perhaps Palpatine was not only manipulating Kylo, but Johnson himself. (laughs) Um, I was a huge fan of episode seven where JJ represented the uh, light. So in the sense that the light rose in episode seven was snuffed out in episode eight, but ultimately conquered in nine, which is consistent with the overall feel and arc of the original trilogy. I understand that not all agree with this and like Johnson's perspective in eight and not in nine, but, um, he's talking about for those who like episode eight, but not nine, but you can view this the same way by just reversing it (laughs) and viewing Johnson as the light and Abrams as the dark. Right. Viewing the. viewing the, I like how he's already thought ahead about the, the counterpoint. Viewing this way puts the darkness as conquering in the end, but ultimately it's clear that there's a struggle between the two directors that represents lightness in the dark. Hashtag the struggle is real. But anyway, thanks for the great show. Um, glad you're keeping Star Wars positive in light of so much criticism and controversy. I hope this perspective may help some fans alleviate their issue. It's an interesting take of the sort of like, it's just maybe different world views about star wars not just different movies
2: and I, I love the the purposely breaking the fourth wall with it our next one comes from ashley and she writes uh, hi stumbled on your podcast while looking for new ones to follow my star wars knowledge comes exclusively from the movies so forgive me if this is mentioned elsewhere during the ben solo and redemption episode the description of a mother child dyad struck me I may be in the minority on this after I saw The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. I don't think nearly enough attention is paid to the unspoken but already existing dyad that is Leia and Ben. I would argue that there's more depth to that link than, Le- than Rey and Kylo and slash the Ben Ren, and that may be the reason why Ben died at the end. When Leia senses the death of her son at the end of her Jedi path, that denotes to me that their deaths are inexorably linked. That may explain why Ben had to die in the end. Just mm. my thoughts. Love the podcast, Ashley.
0: Mm. That's a good point. Well, That and, is awesome. And I like it it's set up really in I I guess is is there much of a connection like force connection between Kylo and Leia in The Force Awakens? I was trying to remember if there's any scenes. Yeah. Um I know I know he like goes in to kill, kill her and, and, and veers off, and they have this sort of that's, moment that's of connection. That's Last Jedi. But that's Beginning, Last Jedi. Right? That's why what, that's what I was asking if there's anything I'm not thinking of in Force Awakens. But there does seem to be some setup.
2: But but you think about the whole dyad between Rey and, and Kylo, right? Rey and Ben have one. And we, and I didn't even think about that, that. That I want to say it was Maz that talks about the connection between those two, that Leia and Ben had a connection, which makes Leia having such a strong connection to Ray make more sense. Mm, yeah, there would be an echo of the connection of Ben through Ray, that Leia is going to be oh, picking up. Yeah,
0: on. yeah, that's true. And I
2: would have never thought about that before. I, I, I totally, fr- because, because. It's the aspect of Leia's body after she died, right? And the mm-hmm. whole Force goes thing with Han, what's going on there? And and Ben when Ben dies, both Leia and Ben become one with the Force.
0: Yeah? I mean
2: And the whole aspect of Han being there and some people say, well, you know, it's the Luke it's the 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 work of Leia, some think oh, it's it's Ben's memories. Well, we know flat out that what's happening per Maz Kanata is Leia using the Force and it is going to take everything she can and then she dies while doing it. What if she, like Luke, Force projects herself into Ben and becomes the light that cleanses Ben and she stays with Ben all the way up until Ben's death and at that point they both die and join the Force? Because when you hear all the Jedi's voices in that scene, Leia's not one of them.
0: Hmm... That's a good point. Well, she should and, have been. The trailer had her say it. They, and but they, she
2: wasn't there. What if that's because she was in Ben the whole time? She was help keeping Ben alive, and it was probably help through her that allowed Ben to heal. Ray, considering Ben is you know, it, it comes from both lineages. If Leia is providing all the light, then that could also be the spark of Leia too, which would also lend credence to I'm a Skywalker.
0: We talked a lot about in the lead up to the film about Ray's connection to Leia. Um, especially musically and through the trailers, but I never thought about that coming through her son. But you know, at the same time, that whole tension, romantic or otherwise, between Leia and Ben—I mean, between Ray and Ben—connects is connected to Leia be, just by virtue of him being her son. Which I I kind of like that. I like the that poetry. They don't really emphasize it in the film. You you kind of have to reach. You have to dig a little to get there. Um, but i I like that idea of a dyad between mother and son, a link between the two. i I, I just hmm, i I kind of wish maybe that they'd played that up a little bit more because the way the film lays out, as we talked about in last week's episode, um, Leia's when I saw the movie, Leia's death is is just so abrupt. you don't really have time to appreciate what's happening as a fan.
2: Well, watch it again and think about when she dies when we see her die. Don't think that she's dead. Just think that she has left her shell, and she's now with Kylo. Because, because a- as her fan email here says, you know, it's not until Leia, you know, Leia senses the death of her son at the end of her Jedi path, right? Well, Leia's path isn't over until she becomes one with the Force, and she doesn't do that until Ben dies. Mm. So if she's there helping Ben, like I, I just think that's so she knew, brilliant. I never like would have thought about. She it.
0: knew it was coming the whole time, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's why she knew it was time.
0: That's deep, man. <laughs> That's deep. And you know what? There's the hero. It's gonna have to wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report Podcast. A make-a podcast. Pretty long one, but we had a lot to talk about. There's a lot a lot been going on in the world of Star Wars. Mark, as always, thanks for joining me this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great time chatting all things, Mandalorian Clone Wars, studios and little bit of Rise Rebel Skywalker here resistance. at the end. Good times. We, we covered the whole saga. It was, it's a, it's a widespread. By next week's episode, what's it, what's say the 16th? Oh, wow. By next week, we will have our first episode of season seven of the Clone Wars. So expect that uh, available, that, of course, I mentioned earlier, that commentary available at all levels of those of you guys uh, pledging now to it's patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Uh, Herleman, let me uh, pass the uh, the mic over to you and uh, tell people where they can find you on the internet.
2: Well, you can find me in the World Wide Web at Logical Rogue 2 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe as myself on Instagram, myself on Facebook. And my son's still playing my account on uh, PlayStation yep. 4. But he's gotten really good. There was a guy out there that I think might be a listener to the show because he was getting trolled religiously. And I was just like... <laughs> 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 I wonder if that was my fault. Nice. Uh, but yeah, if you see him, shoot him in the head. If so, he's, uh, yeah. He's getting good.
0: Exactly. Do it. Do it. Uh, hey, Do it. follow the show. It's, of course, at Star Wars Report on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. And uh, if you're not subscribed to the show, we are available in iTunes. That's the primary place for most of you guys listen to the show. If you do uh, subscribe to us, make sure you leave us a rating or a review. Super easy to do in the Apple Podcasts app or in the brand new uh, podcasts application for Mac on the new uh, Mac OS. Uh, they updated, and podcasts have their own. Um, app now on the desktop it's not just part of itunes so you can leave us a review there Uh, we do appreciate your ratings and reviews Uh, even even those letting us know we haven't done boba's bounty that's Mm -hmm. the way see that's the way to influence the show just leave a a, a rating review Um, of course we're available also on the google play store um on spotify if you're a spotify user make sure to follow us there and uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts there you can also find the star wars report uh, you can find me on social media. I'm just at the Riley guy, R I L E Y, the Riley guy. it's uh, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, and of course my favorite place, Instagram, uh, where I've been posting photos uh, and stories about these Lego builds. So you can find that on Instagram at the Riley guy. And uh, yeah, StarWarsReport.com for the show notes and everything uh, and all things Star Wars Report and our network of podcasts. That's where you can find everything and links to everything we've talked about in episode 422 i saw in our show notes for this podcast until next time may the force be with you and remember many bothans died to bring you this podcast That's right. We out of here. Yes, sir. Wow. Good episode. Long one, but uh, Mm -hmm. good times. Good times. Appreciate it.